Chapter 3. Continued. "'Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he?' Dudley asked Aunt Petunia dully late that afternoon. Uncle Vernon had parked at the coast, locked them all inside the car, and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof of the car. Dudley snivelled. "'It's Monday,' he told his mother. "'The great Umberto's on tonight. "'I want to stay somewhere with a television!' "'Monday. "'This reminded Harry of something. "'If it was Monday, "'and you could usually count on Dudley "'to know the days of the week because of television, "'then tomorrow, Tuesday, "'was Harry's eleventh birthday. "'Of course, his birthdays were never exactly fun. "'Last year the Dursleys had given him a coat-hanger "'and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. "'Still, you weren't eleven every day.' Uncle Vernon was back, and he was smiling. He was also carrying a long, thin package, and didn't answer Aunt Petunia when she asked what he'd bought. "'Found the perfect place,' he said. "'Come on, everyone out!' It was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock way out to sea. Perched on top of the rock was the most miserable little shack you could imagine. One thing was certain— there was no television in there. "'Storm forecast for tonight,' said Uncle Vernon, gleefully clapping his hands together, "'and this gentleman's kindly agreed to lend us his boat.' A toothless old man came ambling up to them, pointing, with a rather wicked grin, at an old rowing-boat bobbing in the iron-grey water below them. "'I've already got us some rations,' said Uncle Vernon, "'so all aboard!' It was freezing in the boat." Icy sea spray and rain crept down their necks, and a chilly wind whipped their faces. After what seemed like hours they reached the rock, where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way to the broken-down house. The inside was horrible. It smelled strongly of seaweed. The wind whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls, and the fireplace was damp and empty. There were only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a packet of crisps each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty crisp packets just smoked and shriveled up. "'Could do with some of those letters now, eh?' he said cheerfully. He was in a very good mood. Obviously he thought nobody stood a chance of reaching them here in a storm to deliver post. Harry privately agreed, though the thought didn't cheer him up at all. As night fell, the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the high waves splattered the walls of the hut, and a fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few mouldy blankets in the second room, and made up a bed for Dudley on the moth-eaten sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off to the lumpy bed next door, and Harry was left to find the softest bit of floor he could, and to curl up under the thinnest, most ragged blanket. The storm raged more and more ferociously as the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get comfortable, his stomach rumbling with hunger. Dudley's snores were drowned by the low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The lighted dial of Dudley's watch, which was dangling over the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist, told Harry he'd be eleven in ten minutes' time. He lay, 
and watched his birthday tick nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember at all, wondering where the letter-writer was now. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in Privet Drive would be so full of letters when they got back that he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea, slapping hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go, and he'd be eleven. Thirty seconds. Twenty. Ten. Nine. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up, just to annoy him. Three. Two. One. Boom! The whole shack shivered, and Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in. Chapter 4 The Keeper of the Keys Boom! They knocked again. Dudley jerked awake. "'Where's the cannon?' he said stupidly. There was a crash behind them, and Uncle Vernon came skidding into the room. He was holding a rifle in his hands. Now they knew what had been in the long, thin package he had brought with them. "'Who's there?' he shouted. "'I warn you, I'm armed!' There was a pause. Then, smash! The door was hit with such force that it swung clean off its hinges and with a deafening crash landed flat on the floor. A giant of a man was standing in the doorway. His face was almost completely hidden by a long, shaggy mane of hair and a wild, tangled beard but you could make out his eyes glinting like black beetles under all the hair. The giant squeezed his way into the hut, stooping so that his head just brushed the ceiling. He bent down, picked up the door, and fitted it easily back into its frame. The noise of the storm outside dropped a little. He turned to look at them all. "'Couldn't make us a cup of tea, could ye? It's not been an easy journey.' He strode over to the sofa where Dudley sat frozen with fear. "'Budge up, you great lump!' said the stranger. Dudley squeaked and ran to hide behind his mother, who was crouching, terrified, behind Uncle Vernon. "'And here's Harry,' said the giant. Harry looked up into the fierce, wild, shadowy face, and saw that the beetle eyes were crinkled in a smile. "'Last time I saw you, you was only a baby.' said the giant. "'You look a lot like your dad, but you've got your mum's eyes.' Uncle Vernon made a funny, rasping noise. "'I, I, I demand that you leave at once, sir,' he said. "'You are breaking and entering.' "'Ah, shut up, Dursley, you great prune,' said the giant. He reached over the back of the sofa, jerked the gun out of Uncle Vernon's hands, bent it into a knot as easily as if it had been made of rubber and threw it into a corner of the room. Uncle Vernon made another funny noise, like a mouse being trodden on. "'Anyway, Harry, 
said the giant, turning his back on the Dursleys. "'A very happy birthday to ye. "'Got summat for ye here. "'I might have sat on it at some point, but it'll taste all right.' "'From an inside pocket of his black overcoat "'he pulled a slightly squashed box. "'Harry opened it with trembling fingers. "'Inside was a large, sticky chocolate cake "'with Happy Birthday Harry written on it in green icing.' Harry looked up at the giant. He meant to say, thank you, but the words got lost on the way to his mouth, and what he said instead was, Who are you? The giant chuckled. <laughs> True, I, I haven't introduced myself. Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. He held out an enormous hand and shook Harry's whole arm. What about that tea, then, eh? he said, rubbing his hands together. "'I'd not say no to summit stronger if you've got it, mind.' His eyes fell on the empty grate with the shriveled crisp packet in it, and he snorted. He bent down over the fireplace. They couldn't see what he was doing, but when he drew back a second later there was a roaring fire there. It filled the whole damp hut with flickering light, and Harry felt the warmth wash over him as though he'd sunk into a hot bath. The giant sat back down on the sofa, which sagged under his weight, and began taking all sorts of things out of the pockets of his coat. A copper kettle, a squashy package of sausages, a poker, a teapot, several chipped mugs, and a bottle of some amber liquid which he took a swig from before starting to make tea. Soon the hut was full of the sound and smell of sizzling sausage. Nobody said a thing while the giant was working, but as he slid the first six fat, juicy, slightly burnt sausages from the poker, Dudley fidgeted a little. Uncle Vernon said sharply, "'Don't touch anything he gives you, Dudley!' The giant chuckled darkly. "'Your great pudding of a son don't need fattening any more, Dursley. Don't worry!' He passed the sausages to Harry, who was so hungry he had never tasted anything so wonderful." but he still couldn't take his eyes off the giant. Finally, as nobody seemed about to explain anything, he said, "'I'm sorry, but I still don't really know who you are.' The giant took a gulp of tea and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. "'Call me Hagrid,' he said. "'Everyone does. And like I told you, I'm keeper of keys at Hogwarts. You'll know all about Hogwarts, of course.' "'Er, uh, no,' said Harry. Hagrid looked shocked. "'Sorry,' Harry said quickly. "'Sorry?' barked Hagrid, turning to stare at the Dursleys, who shrank back into the shadows. "'It's them as should be sorry. I knew you weren't getting your letters, but I never thought you wouldn't even know about Hogwarts, for crying out loud. Did you never wonder where your parents learnt it all?' "'All what?' asked Harry. "'All what?' Hagrid thundered. "'Now wait just one second. He had leapt to his feet. In his anger he seemed to fill the whole hut. The Dursleys were cowering against the wall. "'Do you mean to tell me,' he growled at the Dursleys, "'that this boy, this boy, knows nothing about, about anything?' Harry thought this was going a bit far. He had been to school, after all, and his marks weren't bad.' "'I know some things,' he said. "'I can, you know, do maths and stuff.' 
but Hagrid simply waved his hand and said, "'About our world, I mean. Your world, my world, your parents' world.' "'What world?' Hagrid looked as if he was about to explode. "'Dursley!' he boomed. Uncle Vernon, who had gone very pale, whispered something that sounded like... Hagrid stared wildly at Harry. "'But you must know about your mum and dad,' he said. "'I mean, they're famous. You're famous.' "'What? My... my mum and dad weren't famous, were they?' "'You don't know. You don't know.' Hagrid ran his fingers through his hair, fixing Harry with a bewildered stare. "'You don't know what you are?' he said, finally. Uncle Vernon suddenly found his voice. "'Stop!' he commanded. "'Stop right there, sir! I forbid you to tell the boy anything!' A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. "'You never told him! Never told him what was in the letter Dumbledore left for him! I was there! I saw Dumbledore leave it, Dursley! And you've kept it from him all these years!' "'Kept what from me?' said Harry eagerly. "'Stop! I forbid you!' yelled Uncle Vernon in panic. Aunt Petunia gave a gasp of horror. "'Ah, go boil your heads, both of ye,' said Hagrid. "'Harry, you're a wizard.' There was silence inside the hut. Only the sea and the whistling wind could be heard. "'I'm a what?' gasped Harry. "'A wizard, of course,' said Hagrid, sitting back down on the sofa, which groaned and sank even lower. "'And a thump and good I'd say, once you've been trained up a bit.' With a mum and dad like yours, what else would you be? And I reckon it's about time you read your letter. Harry stretched out his hand at last to take the yellowish envelope, addressed in emerald green to Mr. H. Potter, The Floor, Hut on the Rock, The Sea. He pulled out the letter and read, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Headmaster Albus Dumbledore. Order of Merlin, First Class, Grand Source, Chief Warlock, Supreme Mugwump, International Confed of Wizards. Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have a place at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find enclosed a list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on the 1st of September. We await your owl by no later than the 31st of July. Yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. Questions exploded inside Harry's head like fireworks, and he couldn't decide which to ask first. After a few minutes he stammered, "'What does it mean, they await my owl?' "'Galloping Gorgons, that reminds me,' said Hagrid, clapping a hand to his forehead with enough force to knock over a cart-horse, and from yet another pocket inside his overcoat he pulled an owl.' a real, live, rather ruffled-looking owl, a long quill and a roll of parchment. With his tongue between his teeth, he scribbled a note which Harry could read upside down. Dear Mr. Dumbledore, given Harry his letter, taking him to buy his things to-morrow, weather's horrible, 
Hope you're well, Hagrid. Hagrid rolled up the note, gave it to the owl, which clamped it in its beak, went to the door, and threw the owl out into the storm. Then he came back and sat down as though this was as normal as talking on the telephone. Harry realised his mouth was open, and closed it quickly. Uh, "'Where was I?' said Hagrid. But at that moment Uncle Vernon, still ashen-faced but looking very angry, moved into the firelight. "'He's not going,' he said. Hagrid grunted. "'I'd like to see a great muggle like you stop him,' he said. "'A what?' said Harry, interested. "'A muggle,' said Hagrid. "'It's what we call non-magic folk like them. "'And it's your bad luck you grew up in a family "'the biggest muggles I ever laid eyes on.' "'We swore when we took him in "'we'd put a stop to that rubbish,' said Uncle Vernon. "'Swore we'd stamp it out of him. "'Wizard, indeed!' "'You knew?' said Harry. "'You knew I'm a... a wizard?' "'Knew?' shrieked Aunt Petunia suddenly. "'Knew? Of course we knew! "'How could you not be my dratted sister being what she was? "'Oh, she got a letter just like that "'and disappeared off to that... that school "'and came home every holiday with her pockets full of frog spawn "'turning teacups into rats. "'I was the only one who saw her for what she was, a, a, a freak!' But for my mother and father, oh, no, it was Lily this and Lily that. They were proud of having a witch in the family. She stopped to draw a deep breath, and then went ranting on. It seemed she had been wanting to say all this for years. Then she met that Potter at school, and they left and got married and had you. And, of course, I knew you'd be just the same, just as strange, just as, as abnormal... "'And then, if you please, she went and got herself blown up, and we got landed with you.' Harry had gone very white. As soon as he found his voice, he said, "'Blown up? You told me they died in a car crash.' "'Car crash!' roared Hagrid, jumping up so angrily that the Dursleys scuttled back to their corner. "'How could a car crash kill Lillian James Potter? It's an outrage, a scandal!' "'Harry Potter not knowing his own story "'when every kid in our world knows his name.' "'But why? What happened?' Harry asked urgently. "'The anger faded from Hagrid's face. "'He looked suddenly anxious. "'We never expected this,' he said in a low, worried voice. "'I had no idea when Dumbledore told me "'there might be trouble getting hold of ye "'how much ye didn't know.' "'Oh, Harry!' "'I don't know if I'm the right person to tell you, but someone's got to. "'He can't go off to Hogwarts not knowing.' "'He threw a dirty look at the Dursleys. "'Well, it's best you know as much as I can tell you. "'Mind, I can't tell you everything. "'It's a great mystery, parts of it.' "'He sat down, stared into the fire for a few seconds, "'and then said, "'It begins, I suppose, with, with a person called... "'But it's incredible you don't know his name.' "'Everyone in our world knows.' "'Who?' "'Well, I don't like saying the name if I can help it. No one does.' "'Why not?' "'Gulping gargoyles, Harry. People are still scared. Oh, "'Blimey, this is difficult. See, there was this wizard who went... "'Bad. As bad as you could go. Worse. Worse than worse. "'His name was... "'Hagrid gulped, but no words came out. "'Could you write it down?' Harry suggested. "'Nah, can't spell it. "'All right. 
Voldemort. Hagrid shuddered. Don't make me say it again. Anyway, this, this wizard, about twenty years ago now, started looking for followers. Got em, too. Some were afraid, some just wanted a bit of his power, because he was getting himself power all right. Dark days, Harry. Didn't know who to trust, didn't dare get friendly with strange wizards or witches. Terrible things happened. He was taken over. Of course, some stood up to him, and he killed him. Horribly. One of the only safe places left was Hogwarts. Reckon Dumbledore's the only one you-know-who was afraid of. Didn't dare try taking the school. Not just then, anyway. Now, your mum and dad were as good a witch and wizard as I ever knew. Head boy and girl at Hogwarts in their day. Suppose the mystery is why you-know-who never tried to get them on his side before. Probably knew they were too close to Dumbledore to want anything to do with the dark side. Maybe he thought he could persuade them. Maybe he just wanted him out of the way. All anyone knows is he turned up in a village where you was all living on Halloween ten years ago. You was just a year old. He came to your house and... and... Hagrid suddenly pulled out a very dirty spotted handkerchief and blew his nose with a sound like a foghorn. Sorry, he said, but it's that sad. Knew your mum and dad and nicer people you couldn't find. Anyway... You know who killed him. And then, and this is the real mystery of the thing, he tried to kill you, too. Wanted to make a clean job of it, I suppose, or maybe he just liked killing by then. But he couldn't do it. Never wondered how you got that mark on your forehead. That was no ordinary cut. That's what you get when a powerful, evil curse touches you. "'Took care of your mum and dad in your house, even. "'But it didn't work on you, and that's why you're famous, Harry. "'No one ever lived after he decided to kill him. "'No one except you. "'And he'd killed some of the best witches and wizards of the age. "'The McKinnons, the Bones, the Pruitts. "'And you was only a baby, and you lived.' "'Something very painful was going on in Harry's mind. "'As Hagrid's story came to a close, he saw again the blinding flash of green light, more clearly than he had ever remembered it before. And he remembered something else, for the first time in his life, a high, cold, cruel laugh. Hagrid was watching him sadly. "'Took ye from the ruined house myself, on Dumbledore's orders. Brought ye to this lot.' "'Load of old tosh!' said Uncle Vernon. Harry jumped. He had almost forgotten that the Dursleys were there. Uncle Vernon certainly seemed to have got back his courage. He was glaring at Hagrid, and his fists were clenched. "'Now, you listen here, boy,' he snarled. "'I accept there's something strange about you. Probably nothing a good beating wouldn't have cured. And as for all this about your parents, well, they were weirdos. No denying it. The world's better off without them, in my opinion. Asked for all they got, getting mixed up with these wizarding types. Just what I expected. Always knew they'd come to a sticky end. But at that moment, Hagrid leapt from the sofa and drew a battered pink umbrella from inside his coat. Pointing this at Uncle Vernon like a sword, he said, I'm warning you, Dursley, I'm warning you. One more word. In danger of being speared on the end of an umbrella by a bearded giant, Uncle Vernon's courage failed again. He flattened himself against the wall and fell silent. 
that's better,' said Hagrid, breathing heavily and sitting back down on the sofa, which this time sagged right down to the floor. Harry, meanwhile, still had questions to ask. Hundreds of them. "'But what happened to Vol—sorry, I mean, you know who?' "'Good question, Harry. Disappeared, vanished, same night he tried to kill you. Makes you even more famous. That's the biggest mystery, see. He was getting more and more powerful. Why'd he go? Some say he died. Codswallop, in my opinion. Don't know if he had enough human left in him to die. Some say he's still out there, biding his time, like. But I don't believe it. People who was on his side came back to ours. Some of them came out of kind of trances. Don't reckon they could have done if he was coming back. Most of us reckon he's still out there somewhere, but lost his powers. Too weak to carry on. Cause something about you finished him, Harry. There was something going on that night he hadn't counted on. I don't know what it was. No one does. But something about you stumped him all right. Hagrid looked at Harry with warmth and respect blazing in his eyes. But Harry, instead of feeling pleased and proud, felt quite sure there had been a horrible mistake. A wizard? Him? How could he possibly be? He'd spent his life being clouted by Dudley and bullied by Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon. If he was really a wizard, why hadn't they been turned into warty toads every time they'd tried to lock him in his cupboard? If he'd once defeated the greatest sorcerer in the world, how come Dudley had always been able to kick him around like a football? Hagrid, he said quietly, I think you must have made a mistake. I don't think I can be a wizard. To his surprise, Hagrid chuckled. <laughs> Not a wizard, eh? <laughs> Never made things happen when he was scared or angry? Harry looked into the fire. Now he came to think about it. Every odd thing that had ever made his aunt and uncle furious with him had happened when he, Harry, had been upset or angry. Chased by Dudley's gang, he had somehow found himself out of their reach. Dreading going to school with that ridiculous haircut, he'd managed to make it grow back. And the very last time Dudley had hit him, hadn't he got his revenge without even realising he was doing it? Hadn't he set a boa constrictor on him? Harry looked back at Hagrid, smiling, and saw that Hagrid was positively beaming at him. "'See?' said Hagrid. "'Harry Potter, not a wizard.' "'You wait. You'll be right famous at Hogwarts.' "'But Uncle Vernon wasn't going to give in without a fight. "'Haven't I told you he's not going?' he hissed. "'He's going to Stonewall High, and he'll be grateful for it. "'I've read those letters, and he needs all sorts of rubbish. "'Spell-books and wands, and if he wants to go, "'a great muggle like you won't stop him,' growled Hagrid. "'Stop Lillian James Potter's son going to Hogwarts! <laughs> You're mad! His name's been down ever since he was born. He's off to the finest school of witchcraft and wizardry in the world. Seven years there and he won't know himself. He'll be with youngsters of his own sort for a change, and he'll be under the greatest headmaster Hogwarts ever had. Albus Dumbledore. I'm not paying for some crackpot old fool to teach him magic tricks!' yelled Uncle Vernon. But he had finally gone too far. Hagrid seized his umbrella and whirled it over his head. Never, 
he thundered. Insult! Albus Dumbledore in front of me! He brought the umbrella swishing down through the air to point at Dudley. There was a flash of violet light, a sound like a firecracker, a sharp squeal, and next second Dudley was dancing on the spot with his hands clasped over his fat bottom, howling in pain. When he turned his back on them, Harry saw a curly pig's tail poking through a hole in his trousers. Uncle Vernon roared. Pulling Aunt Petunia and Dudley into the other room, he cast one last terrified look at Hagrid and slammed the door behind them. Hagrid looked down at his umbrella and stroked his beard. "'Shouldn't have lost my temper,' he said ruefully. "'But it didn't work anyway. Meant to turn him into a pig. But I suppose he was so much like a pig anyway, there wasn't much left to do.' He cast a sideways look at Harry under his bushy eyebrows. Uh, "'Be uh, grateful if you didn't mention that to anyone at Hogwarts,' he said. "'I'm uh, not supposed to do magic, strictly speaking.' I was allowed to do a bit to follow you and get your letters to you and stuff. Uh, one of the reasons I was so keen to take on the job. Why aren't you supposed to do magic? asked Harry. Oh, well, I was at Hogwarts myself, but I um, got expelled, to tell you the truth. In my third year, they uh, snapped me wand in half and everything. But Dumbledore let me stay on as gamekeeper. Great man, Dumbledore. Why were you expelled? "'It's getting late. Uh, we've got lots to do tomorrow,' said Hagrid loudly. "'Got to get up to town. Get all your books and that.' He took off his thick black coat and threw it to Harry. "'You can kip under that,' he said. "'Don't mind if it wriggles a bit. I think I've still got a couple of dormice in one of the pockets.' Chapter 5 Diagon Alley Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to a school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. And there's Aunt Petunia knocking on the door. Harry thought, his heart sinking. But he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up, and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa, and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window, a newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy he felt as though a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered onto the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. "'Don't do that!' Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on, savaging the coat. "'Hagrid!' said Harry loudly. "'There's an owl!' "'Pay him!' Hagrid grunted into the sofa. "'What?' "'He wants paying for delivering the paper. <sighs> Look in the pockets!' 
Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls of string, mint humbugs, tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. "'Give him five knuts,' said Hagrid sleepily. "'Knuts? The little bronze ones.' Harry counted out five little bronze coins, and the owl held out its leg so he could put the money into a small leather pouch tied to it. Then it flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up and stretched. "'Best uh, be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Uh, got to get up to London and buy all your stuff for school.' Harry was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something which made him feel as though the happy balloon inside him had got a puncture. "'Um, Hagrid?' Uh, said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. "'I haven't got any money, and you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic.' "'Don't worry about that,' said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. "'Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything?' "'But if their house was destroyed—' "'They didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. "'Nah, first stop for us is Gringotts, Wizard's Bank. "'Have a sausage. They're not bad cold, "'and I wouldn't say no to a bit of your birthday cake, neither.' "'Wizards have banks?' "'Just the one. Gringotts, run by goblins.' "'Harry dropped the bit of sausage he was holding. "'Goblins?' "'Yeah, so you'd be mad to try and rob it, I'll tell you that. "'Never mess with goblins, Harry.' "'Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. "'As a matter of fact, I've got to visit Gringotts anyway, for Dumbledore. Hogwarts business.' "'Hagrid drew himself up proudly. "'He usually gets me to do important stuff for him. "'Fetching you, getting things from Gringotts. Knows he can trust me, see?' "'Got everything? Come on, then.' "'Harry followed Hagrid out onto the rock. "'The sky was quite clear now, and the sea gleamed in the sunlight.' The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the bottom after the storm. "'How did you get here?' Harry asked, looking around for another boat. "'Flew,' said Hagrid. "'Flew?' "'Yeah, but we'll go back in this. Uh, not supposed to use magic, now I've got you.' They settled down in the boat, Harry still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. "'Seems a shame to row, though,' said Hagrid, giving Harry another of his sideways looks. "'If I was to uh, speed things up a bit, would you mind not mention it at Hogwarts?' "'Of course not,' said Harry, eager to see more magic. Hagrid pulled out the pink umbrella again, tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and they sped off towards land. "'Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts?' Harry asked. "'Spells. Enchantments,' said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. "'They say there's dragons guarding the high-security vaults. "'And then you've got to find your way. "'Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London, see, deep under the underground. "'You'd die of hunger trying to get out, "'even if you did manage to get your hands on Summit.' "'Harry sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. "'Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while they did this, "'but it was very difficult. "'He had never had so many questions in his life.' Oh, "'Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual,' Hagrid muttered, turning the page. "'There's a Ministry of Magic?' Harry asked, before he could stop himself. "'Course,' said Hagrid. 
They wanted Dumbledore for minister, of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts. So old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler, if ever there was one. So he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does a Ministry of Magic do? Well, their main job is to keep it from the muggles that there's still witches and wizards up and down the country. Why? Why? <laughs> Blimey, Harry! Everyone would be wanting magic solutions to their problems. Nah, we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbour wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper, and they clambered up the stone steps onto the street. Passers-by stared a lot at Hagrid as they walked through the little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame them. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things like parking meters and saying loudly, "'See that, Harry? Oh, things these muggles dream of, eh?' "'Hagrid,' said Harry, panting a bit as he ran to keep up, "'Did you say there are dragons at Gringotts?' "'Well, so they say,' said Hagrid. "'Crikey, I'd like a dragon.' "'You'd like one?' "'Wanted one ever since I was a kid. "'Here we go.' "'They had reached the station. "'There was a train to London in five minutes' time. "'Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as he called it, "'gave the notes to Harry so he could buy their tickets. "'People stared more than ever on the train.' Hagrid took up two seats and sat knitting what looked like a canary-yellow circus tent. "'Still got your letter, Harry?' he asked as he counted stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pocket. "'Good,' said Hagrid. "'There's a list there of everything you need.' Harry unfolded a second piece of paper he hadn't noticed the night before and read. "'Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uniform.' First-year students will require, one, three sets of plain work robes, black, two, one plain-pointed hat, black, for day-wear, three, one pair of protective gloves, dragon-hide or similar, four, one winter cloak, black, silver fastenings. Please note that all pupils' clothes should carry name-tags. Set books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1, by Miranda Goshawk. A History of Magic, by Batilda Bagshot. Magical Theory, by Adalbert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration, by Emmerich Switch. One Thousand Magical Herbs and Fungi, by Philida Spore. Magical Drafts and Potions, by Arsenius Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, by Newt Scamander. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection, by Quentin Trimble. Other Equipment. One Wand. One Cauldron, Pewter, Standard Size 2. One Set Glass or Crystal Files. One Telescope. One Set Brass Scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat, or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed their own broomsticks. "'Can we buy all this in London?' Harry wondered aloud. "'If you know where to go,' said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before. 
Although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going, he was obviously not used to getting there in an ordinary way. He got stuck in the ticket barrier on the underground, and complained loudly that the seats were too small and the trains too slow. "'I don't know how the muggles manage without magic,' he said, as they climbed a broken-down escalator which led up to a bustling road lined with shops. Hagrid was so huge that he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was keep close behind him. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger bars and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as if it could sell you a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spell-books and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humour, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. "'This is it,' said Hagrid, coming to a halt. "'The Leaky Cauldron. Oh, it's a famous place.' It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side to the record-shop on the other, as if they couldn't see the leaky cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in a corner, drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to the old barman, who was quite bald and looked like a gummy walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped when they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the barman reached for a glass, saying, "'The usual, Hagrid?' "'Can't, Tom.' "'I'm on Hogwarts business,' said Hagrid, clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. "'Good Lord!' said the barman, peering at Harry. "'Is this—can this be?' The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. "'Bless my soul,' whispered the old barman. "'Harry Potter! What an honour! He hurried out from behind the bar, rushed towards Harry, and seized his hand— tears in his eyes. "'Welcome back, Mr. Potter! Welcome back!' Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realising it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. "'Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter! Company for meeting you at last!' "'So proud, Mr. Potter. I'm just so proud.' "'Always wanted to shake your hand, but I'm all of a flutter. <laughs> "'Delighted, Mr. Potter. Just can't tell you. Diggle's the name. Deedalus Diggle.' "'I've seen you before,' said Harry, as Deedalus Diggle's top hat fell off in his excitement. "'You bowed to me once, in a shop.' <laughs> oh, "'He remembers!' cried Deedalus Diggle, looking around at everyone. "'Did you hear that? He remembers me!' Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. "'Professor Quirrell,' said Hagrid. "'Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts.' 
"'Potter,' stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. "'Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. "'What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell?' "'Defence against the dark arts,' muttered Professor Quirrell, "'as though he'd rather not think about it. "'Not that you needed a potter he laughed nervously. "'You'll be... "'Getting all your equipment, I suppose. "'I've got to pick up a new book on vampires myself.' "'He looked terrified at the very thought. "'But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry to himself. "'It took almost ten minutes to get away from them all. "'At last Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the babble. "'Must get on, lots to buy. Come on, Harry!' Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one last time, and Hagrid led them through the bar and out into a small, walled courtyard, where there was nothing but a dustbin and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. "'Told you, didn't I? Told you you was famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you. Mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous?' "'Oh, yeah. Poor bloke. Brilliant mind.' "'He was fine while he was studying out the books, "'but then he took a year off to get some first-hand experience. "'They say he met vampires in the Black Forest, "'and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. "'Never been the same since. "'Scared of the students, scared of his own subject. "'Now, where's me umbrella?' "'Vampires? Hags?' "'Harry's head was swimming. "'Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall above the dustbin. Three up, two across,' he muttered. "'Right, stand back, Harry.' He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled in the middle. A small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later they were facing an archway large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto a cobbled street which twisted and turned out of sight. "'Welcome,' said Hagrid, "'to Diagon Alley.' He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink instantly back into solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, said a sign hanging over them. "'Yeah, you'll be needing one,' said Hagrid. "'But we've got to get you your money first. Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once—the shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping. A plump woman outside an apothecary was shaking her head as they passed, saying, "'Dragon liver, seventeen sickles an ounce. They're mad!' A low, soft hooting came from a dark shop with a sign saying, Ilops Owl Emporium, Tawny, Screech, Barn, Brown, and Snowy. Several boys of about Harry's age had their noses pressed against a window with broomsticks in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the new Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes and strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before, windows stacked with barrels of bat-spleens and eels' eyes, tottering piles of spell-books, quills and rolls of parchment, potion-bottles, globes of the moon. "'Gringotts!' said Hagrid. 
they had reached a snowy white building which towered over the other little shops. Standing beside its burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was— Yep, that's a goblin, said Hagrid quietly, as they walked up the white stone steps towards him. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He had a swarthy, clever face, a pointed beard, and, Harry noticed, very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing a second pair of doors, silver this time, with words engraved upon them. Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief, you have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be mad to try and rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed them through the silver doors, and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind a long counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins in brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. "'Morning,' said Hagrid to a free goblin. "'We've come to take some money out of Mr. Harry Potter's safe.' "'You have his key, sir?' "'Got it here somewhere,' said Hagrid, and he started emptying his pockets onto the counter, scattering a handful of mouldy dog-biscuits over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry watched the goblin on their right, weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. "'Got it,' said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. "'That seems to be in order.' "'And I've also got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore,' said Hagrid importantly, throwing out his chest. "'It's about the—you-know-what uh, in Vault 713.' The goblin read the letter carefully. "'Very well,' he said, handing it back to Hagrid. "'I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook!' Griphook was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog-biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook towards one of the doors leading off the hall. "'What's the you-know-what in Vault 713?' Harry asked. "'Can't tell you that,' said Hagrid mysteriously. "'Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. More my job's worth to tell you that.' Griphook held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in a narrow stone passageway, lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply downwards, and there were little railway tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling up the tracks towards them. They climbed in, Hagrid with some difficulty, and were off. At first they just hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its own way because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. 
Once he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of a passage, and twisted around to see if it was a dragon. But too late. They plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake, where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and floor. "'I never know,' Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. "'What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite?' "'Stalagmite's got an M in it,' said Hagrid, "'and don't ask me questions just now. I think I'm going to be sick.' He did look very green, and when the cart stopped at last beside a small door in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze knats. "'All yours,' smiled Hagrid. "'All Harry's. It was incredible. "'The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, "'or they'd have had it from him faster than blinking. "'How often had they complained how much Harry cost them to keep? "'And all the time there had been a small fortune belonging to him "'buried deep under London. "'Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it into a bag.' "'The gold ones are galleons,' he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon, twenty-nine knuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. "'Right. That should be enough for a couple of terms. We'll keep the rest safe for you.' He turned to Griphook. "'Vault seven hundred and thirteen now, please, and can we go more slowly?' "'One speed only,' said Griphook. They were going even deeper now, and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled round tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leant over the side to try and see what was down at the dark bottom, but Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. "'Stand back,' said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. "'If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, "'they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there,' said Griphook. Um, "'How often do you check to see if anyone's inside?' Harry asked. "'About once every ten years,' said Griphook, with a rather nasty grin. "'Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top-security vault, Harry was sure, "'and he leant forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least.' but at first he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but knew better than to ask. "'Come on, back in this infernal cart, and don't talk to me on the way back. It's uh, best if I keep my mouth shut,' said Hagrid. One wild cart-ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first, now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't have to know how many galleons there were to a pound, to know that he was holding more money than he'd had in his whole life, more money than even Dudley had ever had. "'Might as well get your uniform.' said Hagrid, nodding towards Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. "'Listen, Harry, 
Would you mind if I slipped off for a pick-me-up in the leaky cauldron? I hate them Gringotts carts. He did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch, dressed all in mauve. Hogwarts, dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got the lot here, another young man being fitted up just now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on a footstool while a second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on a stool next to him, slipped a long robe over his head, and began to pin it to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hogwarts, too? Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying my books, and mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at racing brooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting me one, and I'll smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? the boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, Harry said again, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house, and I must say I agree. Know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, nodding towards the front window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry, and pointing at two large ice-creams, to show he couldn't come in. "'That's Hagrid,' said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. "'He works at Hogwarts.' "'Oh,' said the boy, "'I've heard of him. He's a sort of servant, isn't he?' "'He's the gamekeeper,' said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. "'Yes, exactly. I've heard he's a sort of savage. Lives in a hut in the school grounds, and every now and then he gets drunk, tries to do magic, and ends up setting fire to his bed.' "'I think he's brilliant,' said Harry, coldly. "'Do you?' said the boy, with a slight sneer. "'Why is he with you? Where are your parents?' "'They're dead,' said Harry, shortly. He didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy.' "'Oh, sorry,' said the other, not sounding sorry at all. "'But they were our kind, weren't they? "'They were a witch and wizard, if that's what you mean. "'I really don't think they should let the other sort in, do you? "'They're just not the same. "'They've never been brought up to know our ways. "'Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they get the letter. "'Imagine! "'I think they should keep it in the old wizarding families. Um, "'What's your surname, by the way?' But before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, "'That's you done, my dear,' and Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. "'Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose,' said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate the ice-cream Hagrid had bought him, chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. "'What's up?' said Hagrid. "'Nothing,' Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed colour as you wrote. When they had left the shop, he said, "'Hagrid, 
"'What's Quidditch?' "'Blimey, Harry, I keep forgetting how little you know. "'Not knowing about Quidditch.' "'Don't make me feel worse,' said Harry. "'He told Hagrid about the pale boy in Madame Malkin's. "'And he said people from muggle families shouldn't even be allowed in. "'You're not from a muggle family. "'If he'd known who ye were, he's grown up knowing your name "'if his parents are wizarding folk. "'You saw him in the leaky cauldron? "'Anyway, what does he know about it? "'Some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in him "'in a long line of muggles. "'Look at your mum. "'Look what she had for a sister.' "'So what is Quidditch?' "'That's a sport. Wizard sport. It's like... like football in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch, played up in the air on broomsticks, and there's four balls. Sort of hard to explain the rules. "'And what are Slytherin and Hufflepuff?' "'Schoolhouses. There's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff for a lot of duffers, but... "'I bet I'm in Hufflepuff,' said Harry gloomily. "'Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin.' "'said Hagrid darkly. "'There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad "'who wasn't in Slytherin. "'You know who was one.' "'Vol... Uh, sorry, you know who was at Hogwarts?' "'Years and years ago,' said Hagrid. "'They bought Harry's schoolbooks in a shop called Flourish and Blots, "'where the shelves were stacked to the ceiling "'with books as large as paving stones bound in leather.' books the size of postage stamps in covers of silk, books full of peculiar symbols, and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from curses and counter-curses, bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges, hair loss, jelly-legs, tongue-tying, and much, much more, by Professor Vindictus Viridian. "'I was trying to find out how to curse Dudley.' "'I'm not saying that's not a good idea, "'but you're not to use magic in a muggle world "'except in very special circumstances,' said Hagrid. "'And anyway, you couldn't work any of them curses yet. "'You'll need a lot more study before you get to that level.' "'Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold cauldron, either. "'It says pewter on your list. "'But they got a nice set of scales for weighing potion ingredients "'and a collapsible brass telescope.' Then they visited the apothecary, which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell, a mixture of bad eggs and rotted cabbages. Barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floor, jars of herbs, dried roots and bright powders lined the walls, bundles of feathers, strings of fangs and snarled claws hung from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns at twenty-one galleons each, and minuscule glittery black beetle eyes, five knuts a scoop. Outside the apothecary, Hagrid checked Harry's list again. "'Just your wand left. Oh, yeah, and I still haven't got your birthday present.' Harry felt himself go red. You, "'You don't have to.' "'I know I don't have to. Tell you what, I'll get your animal. Not a toad.' "'Toads went out of fashion years ago. You'd be laughed at. "'And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. "'I'll get you an owl. "'All the kids want owls. They're dead useful. "'Carry your post and everything.' Twenty minutes later they left Ilop's Owl Emporium, "'which had been dark and full of rustling and flickering jewel-bright eyes. 
Harry now carried a large cage, which held a beautiful snowy owl, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering his thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. Oh, "'Don't mention it,' said Hagrid gruffly. "'Don't expect you've had a lot of presents from them Dursleys. "'Just Ollivander's left now. "'Only place for wands, Ollivander's, and you've got to have the best wand.' "'A magic wand. "'This was what Harry had been really looking forward to. "'The last shop was narrow and shabby. "'Peeling gold letters over the door read, "'Ollivander's, makers of fine wands since 382 B.C.' A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in the dusty window. A tinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, empty except for a single spindly chair, which Hagrid sat on to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he had entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions which had just occurred to him, and looked instead at the thousands of narrow boxes piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret magic. "'Good afternoon,' said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too, because there was a loud crunching noise, and he got quickly off the spindly chair. An old man was standing before them, his wide, pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. "'Hello,' said Harry, awkwardly. "'Ah, yes,' said the man. "'Yes, yes. I thought I'd be seeing you soon. Harry Potter.' It wasn't a question. "'You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in her herself, buying her first wand.' Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. Those silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favoured a mahogany wand. Eleven inches, pliable, little more power, and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favoured it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close that he and Harry were almost nose to nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the wand that did it, he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches, you... "'Powerful one, very powerful. "'And in the wrong hands? <laughs> "'Well, if I'd known what that wand was going out in the world to do.' <laughs> "'He shook his head, and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. "'Rubius! Rubius Hagrid! How nice to see you again! Um, uh, "'Oak, sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it?' "'It, it, it was, sir, yes,' said Hagrid. "'Good wand, that one.' "'But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled,' said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Er, "'Yes, they did, yes,' said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. "'I've still got the pieces, though,' he added brightly. "'But you don't use them,' said Mr. Ollivander, sharply. "'Oh, no, sir,' said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. "'Hmm,' 
said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. "'Well, now, Mr. Potter, let me see.' He pulled the long tape-measure with silver markings out of his pocket. Uh, "'Which is your wand arm?' Um, "'Well, I'm right-handed,' said Harry. "'Hold out your arm. That's it.' He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and round his head. As he measured, he said, "'Every Ollivander wand has a core of a powerful magical substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the heartstrings of dragons. No two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. And, of course, you will never get such good results with another wizard's wand.' Harry suddenly realised that the tape-measure, which was measuring between his nostrils, was doing this on its own. Mr. Ollivander was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. "'That will do,' he said, and the tape-measure crumpled into a heap on the floor. "'Right then, Mr. Potter, try this one. Beechwood and dragon heartstring. Nine inches. Nice and flexible. Just take it and give it a wave.' Harry took the wand and— feeling foolish, waved it around a bit. But Mr. Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. "'Maple and phoenix feather, seven inches, quite whippy. Try—' Harry tried, but he had hardly raised the wand when it, too, was snatched back by Mr. Ollivander. "'No, no, here, ebony and unicorn hair, eight and a half inches, springy. Go on, go on, try it out.' Harry tried. And tried. He had no idea what Mr. Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of tried wands was mounting higher and higher on the spindly chair, but the more wands Mr. Ollivander pulled from the shelves, the happier he seemed to become. "'Tricky customer, eh? <laughs> Not to worry, we'll find the perfect match here somewhere. I wonder now, yes, why not? Unusual combination. Holly and phoenix feather. Eleven inches, nice and supple.' Harry took the wand. He felt— a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air, and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped, and Mr. Ollivander cried, "'Oh, bravo! Oh, yes, indeed! Oh, very good! Well, well, well! How curious! How very curious! He put Harry's wand back into its box and wrapped it in brown paper, still muttering, "'Curious! Curious!' "'Sorry,' said Harry, "'but what's curious?' Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with his pale stare. "'I remember every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single wand. "'It so happens that the phoenix whose tail-feather is in your wand gave another feather.' "'Just one other. "'It is very curious indeed that you should be destined for this wand "'when its brother—why, its brother gave you that scar.' "'Harry swallowed. "'Yes, thirteen and a half inches, you. "'Curious indeed how these things happen. "'The wand chooses the wizard, remember. "'I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. "'After all—' He who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. 
Harry shivered. He wasn't sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bowed them from his shop. The late afternoon sun hung low in the sky as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down Diagon Alley, back through the wall, back through the leaky cauldron now empty. Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how much people were gawping at them on the underground, laden as they were with all their funny-shaped packages, with the sleeping snowy owl on Harry's lap. Up another escalator, out into Paddington Station. Harry only realised where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. "'Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves?' he said. He bought Harry a hamburger, and they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. "'You're right, Harry. You're very quiet,' said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He'd just had the best birthday of his life. And yet—' He chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. "'Everyone thinks I'm special,' he said at last. "'All those people in the leaky cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander— "'but I don't know anything about magic at all. "'How can they expect great things? "'I'm famous, and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. "'I don't know what happened when Vol—sorry, I mean, the night my parents died.' "'Hagrid leant across the table. "'Behind the wild beard and eyebrows he wore a very kind smile. "'Don't you worry, Harry. You'll learn fast enough. "'Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine.' "'Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out, and that's always hard. But you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of fact.' Hagrid helped Harry on to the train that would take him back to the Dursleys, then handed him an envelope. "'Your ticket for Hogwarts,' he said. First of September, King's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys, send me a letter with your owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry.' The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked, and Hagrid had gone.